Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Bleed Network. I'm your host, Mike Kangwalana, and joining me this week is just Aaron Johnson. Aaron, how are you doing, buddy? Have you had any time to watch playoff basketball? I have uh, playoff basketball. You know, people talk about different sports having a different feel in the playoffs. Like, I think baseball is hands down just a, it, it feels like a completely different game. It, when it, when you go from the regular season to to the postseason, for me, I think hockey has that same sort of effect. Where you know, I'm not a super huge hockey guy, but I can definitely sit down and watch playoff hockey. Maybe it's just because I watch NBA every night. But the playoffs, you know, they're great. I love the playoffs. Not hating on them or whatever, but I don't know. This year, it just hasn't had that same sort of like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, there's been some blowouts. You know, you're, you're Cleveland. Cleveland boys did that to the Knicks the other night emphatically. Uh, Boston's done that to Atlanta now a couple of times. Not that the playoffs have been bad, not saying that, but it just hasn't had that spark yet. I think we'll get to that. I think the only series so far that's really had it is maybe the the Golden State and uh, Sacramento series. Phoenix and in, in, in Los Angeles has been a good series. I think yeah. once next round, you're going to – I think you're going to get to that next step. Playoffs have been great, not complaining, but – it just feels like we're still waiting to really get to the to the great playoff series again outside of the the Sacramento Golden State one, which is stealing all the headlines right now. It's right. been a phenomenal series. Yeah, the East has definitely not been as entertaining as the West, I think. Phoenix and L.A. was tied heading into halftime. It was a very good game, and especially with no Paul George. Um that makes me worry about the Suns quite a bit. I mean, Kawhi Leonard was getting pretty much anything he wanted and, um, the entire first half. Going until the second quarter. I mean, Booker only had 10 at halftime. He wasn't necessarily killing it. Kevin Durant was, quite frankly, getting absolutely worked by Kawhi Leonard, who was oh, yeah. all up in him uh, until the second quarter. He got going right towards the end of the half. That's yeah. what's about being on the East Coast, though, is, I mean, I'm – I'm clonked out by the third quarter, you know, halfway through. I'm falling asleep. <laughs> like, I'm an old man. I got work the next morning. Like, and these are the best games so far. And right. And on these West Coast times, you know, NBA, I'm just saying, we've got to start taking care of the East Coast viewers more. This is not fair to us. Yes. Uh, for all of the listeners, Aaron's also the youngest one on this podcast saying he's the old man. <laughs> and I'd like to be in bed by nine o'clock every night if it was possible. I, I it's just who I am at this point. I'm I am old. I am not the spring. Would chicken. you say washed? 
I'm washed. Yeah, no, I'm a washed Twitter user for sure. I don't even, I can't even understand that app anymore and the stuff that's said on it. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. And as we get closer to draft day and as we get into the thick of NBA free agency, it's going to just continue to get more and more ridiculous. Um, before we get into all of our topics for today, and, and, and there are a few, um, you were talking about Twitter discourse, just, just real quick, because Draymond Green was suspended for stomping on Demond. Sabonis's chest. Um, and there's a lot of people. I, for one, am quite surprised that he was suspended because it's a playoff series and you know it's 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 Golden State. He's a high profile player. It certainly dampens the playoff mood. There are people on that bird app that you don't understand anything about anymore. Defending Draymond Green saying that it's completely uncalled for that he was suspended. I, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly surprised the NBA did it and I think it's the right decision. How, how, how do you feel about that? Cause this, this was kind of a, this Joe Dumars here. We'll go ahead and link it back to uh, the Pistons a bit. Joe Dumars made this decision and, and has been the point person answering questions about it. You know, Draymond is our, Already been suspended several times. He's maybe most notably remembered for kicking Stephen Adams in the groin. He was also suspended in the 2016 finals, which definitely helped the Cavs um, turn the momentum 180 degrees. Were you surprised that he was suspended? I'll say that if I was betting on it, using our our wonderful sponsor, Bet Online, if I was betting on it, I'd have lost my bet. I'm I'm quite frankly shocked that he was suspended. Now, I think what he did absolutely wrong. I think if it was a regular season game, there would absolutely be merit uh, to suspend him. Not that there's not merit now, but I think there'd be more merit. Um, the stomp was bad. I think the reaction where he almost was was embracing like a heel WWE character, <laughs> where <Right. laughs> you know, in, engaging with the crowd in a way where it just looked like it just looked like that typical like WWE wrestler who just like, you know, it was Randy Orton, his RKO John Cena, and, and then was just taunting the crowd. I mean, it, it was comical in that sense, and I, I think that that certainly hurt him in that regard. I think the stomp was bad enough, but then you go and you get into it with the crowd like that. Yeah, I mean, Green's been in the NBA a long time. He's been a part of the most discussed team over the last what half decade longer probably like this is not anything new to him this type of spotlight this type of discourse this type of uh, engagement from fans like he knows what he's getting into and those scenarios aren't new to him and he had to keep his cool in that situation and he didn't I don't I'm shocked that it happened I I'm torn because I do feel like the suspension's fine I also feel like he wouldn't have been if he wasn't suspended, I wouldn't have thought to myself, I'm, I can't believe they didn't suspend Draymond Green for what right. he did. So I think, it, I think it hurts the game. Like, I want to see both these teams at full strength because, again, it's been an incredible series. I'm certainly shocked. It by really it. has. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, was, I was pretty surprised, too. I, I w- did not think the NBA would go through with the suspension. Um, but you had an excellent segue to 
this week's sponsor, which is once again, Bet Online. And Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including latest player reports for this year's playoffs. Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season. We've got you covered for all your sports wagering needs basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to UFC and boxing. And Bet Online is the easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options in your favorite casino and card games that you can play right from your home. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action and use the promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with Bet Online. Again, that promo code is BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's get right into our first topic of today, which is, of course, uh, the Pistons head coaching interview. Not scheduled, but the list of people that have been reportedly tapped by the Pistons to interview for the head coaching spot, which is the first big domino that is going to end up falling for Detroit this offseason. Some of the names that have stuck out, we have Kevin Ollie, who is part of the Overtime Elite. We have Chris Quinn, who was mentioned on last week's podcast. Ime Udoka, who was named as a candidate and was reported um, as the Pistons having interest in him, but there's been no report of an interview scheduled or held with Detroit. Jerron Collins, Adrian Griffin, you have Charles Lee, you have Jerome Allen, and you have Rex Kalamian. And if we botched that name, I'm sure we'll see it in the comments. But you know, a couple of those guys are internal candidates. Uh, a couple of those guys are external candidates. A couple of those guys have not coached in a few years, like Ime Yudoka. Um, You have a wide variety. Really, the only the only thing you're missing here is you know the obligatory Jay Wright. Uh, you know, or Shaka Smart to seemingly get dropped into every single coaching carousel each offseason. Any names that stick out, any you'd want to steer clear of? We we talked a lot about Udoka last week. Uh, We kind of all agree that he's probably the best pound-for-pound coach the Pistons could get, that he might be the least likely out of this group, just based on he's – in fact, he's going to be in high demand. Talked about Adrian Griffin, talked about Chris Quinn, but any any other candidates that stick out or, or you know, maybe it is the same guys we talked about last week? For for me, with Ime Udoka not having an interview yet, at least that we know of, you know, it's, it's kind of cloudy. We know the Pistons are interested in him. He's intended to be part of their search, but they haven't. No, no reports have come out that they have an interview scheduled or that they have interviewed. Uh, email. So for me, when I look at the list of the guys that they're scheduled to talk to or have already talked to, a couple guys that I don't want are Kevin Ali, Jerome Allen, and Rex Kalamian. For me, Kevin Ali is a guy that has not coached uh, a high enough level of basketball in quite some time. His tenure at UConn ended poorly. And I don't know how to evaluate what he's doing with overseas elite. I don't know how valuable that is. I, to me, this reads more as for Ali, who as far as I can recall, 
has not been a serious candidate in many coaching searches over the last few years, uh, at least in regards to the NBA. To me, this seems more like a Troy Weaver talking to his guys, talking to the guys that he has relationships with from his Oklahoma City days, which has been very prevalent uh, in, in his Syracuse days. It's something that's been very prevalent in the way that he's managed the Pistons throughout his tenures. He's He's gone with his guys that he established relationships with at previous stops. Uh, so that's what that situation reads like to me. I think Kevin Ali, there, there's too much uncertainty around him. I don't think this is a hire that the Pistons can afford to to mess up. And to me, going after a guy like Kevin Ali is a little bit too high risk considering he's not been an NBA coach, has not coached college or NBA in you know the last four, five, six years, whatever it's been. I think 2018 was his last year coaching college, but I'm not 100% sure. It just it's not it's not the hire that excites excites me. Uh, moving to to Kalamian and Allen, two assistants on the Pistons staff this these past couple of years under Dwayne Casey. Uh, precisely why I don't want them to be the head coach, and they might go and 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 be a head coach elsewhere. Like I think Jerome Allen's a guy that eventually at some point is an NBA coach, uh, head coach at at some point in his career, but. If you fired Dwayne Casey, if you decided to move on, you need a new head. You need a new face of the locker room. And it just would feel lazy to go and grab one of his assistants who were part of the staff that struggled to get this team to come out and compete every night, who were part of the staff that I think very clearly were part of the underdevelopment of these key guys on the roster who are going to be up for contract extensions, or if you're someone like Sadiq Bey, the Pistons had to punt on because they couldn't get enough out of him in terms of player development. I think those are two guys that I'd certainly want to stay away from. Nothing against them personally. I think, you know, even if you want to keep them around as assistants, you know, I don't necessarily think that's a terrible idea, but I think you have to go outside of the organization right now to get a new face for a hire that has to be a hit. Um, in terms of the guys that we, we know that they're interviewing, I look at Chris Quinn. I look at Charles Lee as as the two names that that really really stick out to me. Um, we'll see what happens with Udoka. I think a guy like Adrian Griffin might be interesting as well. I know he's getting coaching uh, interviews elsewhere, so that's another guy. You know, another coach that may not even end up with the Pistons, even if they want him. Um, but those are the three that are probably at the top of the pecking order for me in terms of guys that are reportedly scheduled to or have interviewed with the Pistons so far. And it's, it's fluid around the league. Like Jasper mentioned last week, you know, Nick Nurse is probably going to be seemingly no longer with the Raptors. Um, and it would seem natural that Griffin sort of slides right in, much like Nick Nurse did to Dwayne Casey. So it's it's still a fluid situation. I remember sitting in my car waiting to go into a meeting when the Cavs went completely around and hired John Beeline out of flipping nowhere. Um, so it's definitely fluid um, all around. But I agree. I don't really want a disciple of Dwayne Casey's. It's fine that they get interviews. It's almost obligatory that they get interviews because they have been – around the team and already have a, a relationship with a lot of the players and 
that's that's great. I think I would want to bring in somebody new. And I'm sure that with Dwayne Casey's new front office role, he'll play a big part in in that coaching search. But I agree. I'm I'm not in on Kevin Ollie, who by the way has not coached UConn since 2018. Um he has been with the overtime elite. Um, I think since 2021, it was definitely during the pandemic. Yeah, since 2021, he's been with Overtime Elite, which has the Thompson Twins on it, which will certainly be a topic of discussion if he's hired. Um, and the Pistons probably picking, well, they're definitely going to be picking in that range for the Thompson Twins. Ho- hopefully it's not in that 4-5 or five range um, where they're expected to uh, be picked. But that will always be a point of a point of discussion if – Kevin Ollie's hired. And, you know, I agree. He just, it's a very Pistons name to have. I, he's, he's got coaching experience. He's got playing experience. He played with a bunch of teams, but I don't think he's the best option given the current state of this roster. Like this is a team that wants to make the playoffs next year. That's what we've been hearing. Kevin Ollie seems like a coach that will should probably get an interview for a team that is like just starting their rebuild from the absolute very beginning. I'm more like the idea of a Chris Quinn who's been around a winning coach already in Eric Spolstra or a Charles Lee who's followed Mike Budenholzer around and has been in winning situations and, you know, has also seen some downsides. You know, the Hawks breaking up and Mike Budenholzer leaving – that's that's a downturn as well. And then winning a championship with the Bucks, I I think those are more valuable than a guy who's been a player and can connect to players maybe in a different way. I, I would much rather have a guy who has been a coach, been in a situation with another pretty good coach next to him, and has hopefully absorbed a lot of those a lot of those, you know, traits and characteristics that the Pistons really desperately need. I mean, you need an identity and the coach is going to help set that identity. So I'm not interested in Kevin Ollie. Uh, Hopefully they go with a more developmentally focused coach, um, but also one that, you know, is still able to connect to players and still able to, you know, Something that you can feel confident in if you are in a playoff round, maybe getting you through a round. I mean, I think there's always those bridge coaches um, that sort of kind of like a David Blatt, for lack of a better word. You know, Blatt was kind of there to bridge the team from rebuild to playoff, and Ty Lue just kind of stepped in. Um, I don't I don't necessarily know if one of these guys is going to be a bridge coach, but I think you still need to have – developmental as the primary focus and then anything after that, you know, maybe around in the playoffs or two. I mean, might not be a hall of fame coach, but you need someone to stabilize things. And I think that Kevin Ollie would be very similar to a John B line of, you don't really have an identity of what, what they're going to be doing, what he's going to be doing. It's good. You know, he's, he's going to be learning alongside some of those players. And if the Pistons are looking to make the playoffs, I, I don't think that that's the right uh, avenue to go down. I think it's easier to envision some of these these assistant coaches like a, a a Chris Quinn, like a Charles Lee, who 
have been around the block, even if they haven't been head coaches. Like Chris Quinn has been a part of Eric Spolstra's staff. He's been a part of one of the best coaching staffs in the league. Teams that have won at a very high level. Charles Lee is in that same position under Mike Budenholzer. Like they are under the some of the best basketball minds and are a part of winning teams that have developed young talent from the the start of their evolution uh, in terms of like these young guys that are now have grown into good players, have grown into all-stars. You talk about guys like a Bam Adebayo, obviously a Giannis. Like these are coaches that have been around these groups at young ages and been a part of these groups' maturity and development and just have that experience on the bench under the best coaches, under winning teams, under playoff teams, under all-star players. Like, again, I just think that's easier to envision them coming into a team that needs to develop but also win at the same time. It's a lot easier to see some of those guys that have that experience already in the NBA with these types of teams, with these types of players. It's easier to see them figuring it out, making it work, then it is seeing a guy who hasn't been coaching at a high level for years and didn't leave his last major coaching position in the greatest terms, like a Kevin Ali, or maybe some of these other guys that haven't had that same amount of success or experience like a, 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 a Jerome Allen. I mean, his time with the Pistons has been four straight losing seasons, and he comes from a Boston team that was winning. And again, it's not a knock on Allen. I just don't know if you can grab a guy who, like you said, is kind of going to be developing with the players as the season goes. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a guy like Steven Silas in Houston. And obviously he was just let go because he was one of those guys that was a player, got into a system position and was brought along as a young coach and he needed to develop with these guys and it took out it took away from the team success the team's growth because he was trying to learn himself i just think the pistons need to go for someone who has more experience who's been around the block a little bit more and 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 to me that's why some of these guys like Quinn like Charles Lee stand out over some of the other names that we've we've talked about yeah definitely um it's going to be a big decision. You know, it's, it's, it's an important first step toward the playoffs next year, which is again, what the, what the Pistons have been saying consistently that they're angling for. And I guess, I, I guess we'll just have to see how some of the interviews start to unfurl. I mean, the playoffs are probably holding up quite a few sort of interviews as well. I mean, we haven't heard hardly anything about the Raptors either. Uh, and with Nick Nurse and, you know, that Nick, Nick Nurse could, could throw the coach of uh, the coaching carousel into overdrive because he has been linked to the Houston Rockets as well, which would theoretically free up Ime Udoka, which could push everybody down the list. So it's going to be, you know, more wait and see, um, probably until the in, in, until the playoffs end and we'll start to get some clarity um, on that. But, you know, if the Pistons find their guy in, in between that time, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went ahead and made um, 
a hire, you know, you got to get the guy that you want um, first and foremost. Okay. Let's move into our second topic, which is once again, as we did for most of the season, it's about Boyan Bogdanovich. Should the Pistons be entertaining a, a Bogdanovich trade this offseason? James Edwards, the third of the athletic wrote a column on what the ideal offseason for the Pistons would look like. And it, of course, included landing the first overall pick, signing Jeremy Grant to a long-term deal, and trading Boyan Bogdanovich to the Thunder to recoup a future first, which Oklahoma City has a plethora of first round picks at their disposal to pretty much go and get all nearly whoever they want. So a couple names that we as podcast hosts have been familiar with the last two years, that's Boyan Bogdanovich and Jeremy Grant uh, talking about them plenty, but should the Pistons be looking to offload Bogdanovich and, you know, Grant, Grant had a great season for Portland. He had a great season on really on both ends of the floor. He was he was very good and kept the Blazers in a lot of in a lot of games, especially when Dame was dealing with injuries throughout the season. Is he, you know, but he's he's also a significantly different player from Boyan Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich is probably a better shooter, less of a defensive presence, probably a better overall offensive player, but again, he's a little bit older. And the defense isn't isn't quite what Grant is. So there's a lot of a lot of things to unpack there. But should the Pistons be once again looking to offload Bogdanovich this offseason? And how much of an improvement would Grant be over him? I think when Boyan came out middle of the season and, and said He's talking about why he he signed an extension with Detroit. He said, you know, talk to Troy Weaver. He said we're making some big moves this upcoming offseason. We're expecting to be competing for a playoff spot next year. Um, it's – I don't think when that something like that becomes public, I don't think it's a good idea to then go off and, and trade that player. Obviously, Boyan Bogdanovich is not an untouchable asset by any stretch of the imagination. If a team wants him and is willing to offer up for him, the Pistons have to have that discussion. But if you're making that move to offload him for a draft pick, you are doing yourself a disservice. When I, it would just be a very bad look after those comments became public, after that insight became public, where Bogdanovich is saying, hey, we're expecting a, a big move this offseason. We're expecting to be a playoff team next year. That's what the GM told me. He told me I'm a part of that, that turnaround for this organization to then go off and trade him for you know, James Edwards' piece on The Athletic, talked about trading him to the Oklahoma City Thunder for a 2025 first-round pick. It's like if I'm a player from another team seeing that, you know, if I'm a pending free agent and I'm seeing that, it's like, that doesn't necessarily sit right with me. And it the NBA is a business. That's been proven time and time again. So don't get me wrong. The NBA is a business at the end of the day. But Boyan Bogdanovich was so good for the Pistons when he played this year. Had such a great effect. Does a lot of the things that the Pistons do need. You know, his shooting 
even if Bogdanovich has his limitations as a you know ball handler, as a defender, like what he does for them as a shooter, it, it what he does for them as that secondary scorer cannot go overlooked. And I think he does some things offensively that someone like Jeremy Grant maybe doesn't offer them. And, and Grant had a solid season in Portland. Well, what was Jeremy Grant's quote-unquote issue in Detroit? He wanted to be the top dog. He wanted to be the number one option. And the Pistons weren't going to let him do that. And they weren't going to pay him like that because they had Kate Cunningham. And then they brought in Jaden Ivey. And now you have Bogdanovich and you have a top five pick incoming who you would imagine is going to play a, play a big role in the pecking order as well, especially if it's the first pick. And it's Victor Weminyama who also plays the position of Jeremy Grant. And it's like, oh, if you're paying Jeremy Grant $30 million, he's going to come to Detroit and he's going to be what? The third or fourth option, maybe, right? Like he, he's, he's the third option. If they get Wembenyama, he's probably early in the season, the second option. And by the end of the year, he's at best the third option. I don't even know if he's the the second option to start the year. I I, I would think it might be, it might not be. I would think it'd be Jaden Ivy, and so that means he's the third option at best to start the year. And by the end of the year, if if it's Victor, which is a big question mark, but hypothetical, like I don't know where he is and how does he fit? Does he go back to playing the three? Then you would probably have to move Bogdanovich if you have Victor and Jeremy Grant now. So it's a, it's not a, you know, one answer question. It's a question that's dependent on everything else, all the other contexts of the situation. Like, yes, the Pistons can, can, can talk about moving Bogdanovich. I think there are repercussions to making that move. And maybe Bogdanovich was just talking up the Pistons and maybe that's just all fluff that you know he doesn't really care about like if he gets moved maybe he doesn't care about it and maybe he says oh if i get to go to oklahoma city and i get to be a part of a team that just made it to the play-in and i'm gonna play with one of the best young players in the league in sga and josh giddy like i'm gonna be fine and chet holmgren like i'm gonna be fine i'm gonna be part of a playoff team out here and do my thing so maybe he doesn't really care about that but when when comments like that become public it's something that strikes me uh as something that you know it can come back to bite you if you talk about that and then you move him. And I like Bogdanovich. I like what he does. I like Jeremy Grant, too. But you're talking about paying a, a, a third, fourth option $30 million at this point. And I just don't know how much of a difference Jeremy Grant makes over a guy like Boyan Bogdanovich. I, I think the Pistons need to go get a all-star level wing. Jeremy Grant's a tier below that. And... It's already going to be hard enough to fit a guy like that in, in a pecking order that's still trying to figure itself out and is is context dependent on what happens uh, on NBA draft night. We are less than a month away from the NBA draft lottery, May 16th. So a lot of these hypothetical situations will have much better context in how to determine off-season team building for the Pistons, but... I agree on Grant. You're going to pay him a lot of money. 
especially next year and the year after, to not be even the third option. He'll be the fourth option probably, um, depending on the growth of some of these guys. And, you know, another thing you have to be looking out for, we've talked about this, about the young teams needing extensions, and maybe that's a topic for next week. When maybe you should talk about Killian, Isaiah Stewart, and James Wiseman. You know, this is a team that, with all these high draft picks, is going to start to get expensive. Cade's going to be due for a contract extension quicker than some people think. Jaden Ivey may only be a rookie, but, you know, his extension is going to kick in in probably three years at this point if, if, if they do extend him. I mean, this is a team that's going to get pretty expensive pretty quickly, um, and that's without factoring in a, 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 you know, a free agency move plus – probably going to end up keeping at least one of those three players I just talked about between Wiseman, Ivy, and, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Wiseman, Killian, and Isaiah Stewart. So there has to be some long-term looking, uh, you know, looking at this team with that lens of you're, you're going to extend Cade. You're, you're going to need to look at players that complement him Um and then more high-end lottery picks that are going to be looking at contract extensions. So it, to me, it, I would rather put that money somewhere else than into Jeremy Grant. I know that wing is a huge gaping, smoldering hole that the Pistons have to try to fill. I don't want to, I, I don't want to fill that with Jeremy Grant. And I think what Bogdanovich brings as an outside shooter is almost invaluable to a team that largely doesn't have that. I mean, they certainly didn't last year and they didn't the year before with Jeremy Grant, the outside shooting that Bogdanovich brings to this roster, I think is, is, is invaluable. Um, when you have guys that get downhill and, and whatnot, like Cade and like Ivy and, you know, a Jalen Duran blocking up the paint. You know, you don't have a stretchy four. So you're going to need Bogdanovich as a shooter to help stretch the offense out. Jeremy Grant's not going to do that. We watched him ISO from long two-point range and jack up a shot and then go back down the floor <laughs> after it did not hit. So I think what Bogdanovich brings, the contract is is a really nice deal. Yeah, he doesn't have the defensive chops. He's not as athletic. I think you live with that. You have enough of that on the roster in other areas that you don't need to get another player like that in Grant and clog up a significant portion of your salary for the next couple of years when, let's just say, the Pistons don't make the playoffs next year with Grant. Then you're going to owe him a lot more money in a year when you really need to make the playoffs, and it just constricts your team building into the future. I think it's a lot easier to sell the move and sell the decision to trade Bogdanovich. If you're making, if he's a part of a trade to acquire that, that all-star level wing that, that I mentioned that we've talked about a little bit before the Pistons kind of needing, like if, if he's part of a, a trade to, to get Jalen Brown, because Jalen Brown's not going to get the money he wants from Boston. Oh yes. He wants to get, that's wants very to different. Like, it's a lot easier to say, okay, the NBA is a business. The Pistons had a chance to get an all NBA player in Jalen Brown. 
and Boyan Bogdanovich had to had to be a part of that because you know Boston A wants to put put together a good enough team still to compete salary wise it was a big enough salary to help you know offset Jalen Brown's contract like things like that then it's going to be to 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 sell it on oh well the Pistons just were able to get another uh, lottery protected draft pick. Uh, for for two seasons, you know, from two drafts from now or something like that. Like if you're pushing in a chip like Bogdanovich was with some other assets to go and get that star player, that all NBA type player, that all star level player, a guy like Jalen Brown, it's a lot easier to make that trade and sell it as the NBA's a business. We wanted to make some big moves this offseason. Bogdanovich was a plan to be a part of that. We were not expecting something like this to be possible when it became possible. The chips fell where they fell, and, and Bogdanovich was, you know, part of that trade. Uh, but we're getting a guy that is going to help take us to the next level, like Jalen Brown would. So, again, that's the, you know that's part of that that context that I was talking about uh, as to how Detroit sh- should be approaching this. Now that I guess we're going to get back into this discussion of of Boyan Bogdanovich being on the trade block with Detroit. <laughs> I know. I feel like we talked about this so much throughout the season. I think it was a standing item for every podcast as we would talk about the latest rumor for Bogdanovich and who who's interested in acquiring him. And then it just ended up being Sadiq Bay out of nearly nowhere. So I guess we really don't know. Um, the And it's another sign that the NBA just changes really fast. Um, players become available quickly and you don't have a lot of time to strategize. You just kind of have to put your chips into the center and see what happens. And the Pistons are at a point in the rebuild where they can consider condensing some of their pieces for a guy like Jalen Brown. I mean, I think that's a no brainer. He fits perfectly with what the rest of this roster is. If that situation did present itself, Detroit should be jumping all over that and offering what they need to, um, to get a very good defender and someone that fits in the offensive sort of game plan. He's not the number one option. He has experience not being the number one option next to Jason Tatum. That's a totally different scenario. I would be all for it at that point. And you have the money to make it work. So yeah, it's context. So we'll probably figure things out a little bit more after the lottery, see where the Pistons are going to be picking. If they do end up in the deadly range where they're not going to get one of Wembenyama or Scoot or even Brandon Miller, you know, then then it'll change the calculus on on team building for the offseason. But so I think we're both in agreement that probably would not just trade Bogdanovich. I mean, in this article, they haven't been traded for 2025 first to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't know if I would do that straight up. I think he's got some value. I know that the Thunder, I mean, if if the Thunder are going to be probably a playoff team, then that's not going to be a very high draft pick either. And there comes a point where you need to stop stockpiling picks and start acquiring players, right? That was a point that we made at multiple points throughout the year when Bogdanovich was being talked about on the trade market. At some point, the Pistons have to be pushing their chips into the uh, into the table and moving assets, stockpiling, you know, taking some of these assets that they have and pushing those in, consolidating them to get a, a bigger name, to get a bigger fish, this would be a move where they're doing the opposite and they're trying to get more assets that they're going to be using down the line. It just doesn't it just doesn't do it for me. It's a never-ending cycle. 
at that point. Yep. There's always the new shiny thing that's coming down the pipeline, but looking at the stuff you have, what can we do to improve what we have and not what we might be able to improve down the line? It's just asset management. Um, and we'll have plenty more to talk about with asset management as we get into the off season. And as the dreaded draft lottery, you know, gets closer and closer, like, like I said, less than a month, um, things are about to get very, very interesting. Uh, but we hope that you'll be joining us along the way to hear all about it and get our opinions on it as well. Um, we love seeing all the interaction in the comments section on YouTube, interacting on Twitter. I think it's a, it's really nice, even if it's not always the most positive things. It's nice to have that level of interaction with the community. So we hope that that will continue into a really important off season for the Pistons, where we're going to be trying to provide a lot of really high quality content because uh, it's getting us excited. You know, I'm I'm getting excited just thinking about how the draft lottery, potentially getting the number one pick or even the number two overall pick. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt that we're going to have plenty, plenty of stuff to talk about. And one way or the other, that draft lottery is going to be a very, very touchy subject because either the Pistons are going to win it and they're going to end up with Victor Womanyama or they're going to fall to three or four. And we're really going to be questioning the the future uh, of this team because the Pistons have have really stockpiled so much pressure on winning the lottery and, and getting women Yama. And that's probably a good topic for another podcast. It's the immense amount of pressure. I mean, the Pistons really have dumped a lot of their hope into ping pong balls, which is really scary. Um, but high risk, high reward. And if you don't end up with it, then going to have to pivot, going to have to pivot in a very critical off season. But we hope that you will all join us along that ride. Hopefully not a tumultuous ride, but it, you know, it could be we're entertaining people, at least Jasper is. Um, and uh, you could hear him do more uh, daddy, Troy Weaver. He's going to have to come up with new material if they don't win the lottery though. I think, I think a week off is good. You got to make the people want it. You get to them <laughs> every right. week. It just gets, it's It gets stale faster. So maybe it's a good thing that Jasper's not here this week to, to give the listeners a look into uh, the mind of Troy Weaver. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's actually good for my mind as well. It's, 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 it's good for us as well to have just a break from Jasper. Uh, but you're going to be hearing plenty of them throughout the summer. Aaron, do you have anything else before we wrap up this edition of the podcast? No, no good show. Uh, definitely want to hear what people think in the comment section about the coaching search. Yeah. Who do you think the Pistons should end up with? Uh, who they maybe want the team to interview if they haven't already been announced already as a candidate. Yep. Definitely let us know in the comments. Definitely tag us uh, on Twitter as well. Love hearing the people's thoughts, good or bad on our show, good or bad on the Pistons. Always appreciate that interaction and feedback. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. Again, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Bet Online, And if you have not used bet online you get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v so we like to we'd like to thank bet online once again 
for being a sponsor of this show. For my co-host, Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Angolano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.